Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're going to be talking about a personal favorite for both of us from 2002. 20-year anniversary coming up, Road to Perdition, directed by Sam Mendes. I think you can make a case for this being his best movie. <laughs> uh, he's, got, he's, got, he's got some bangers, you know, American Beauty movie we've talked about on this show. Of course, 1917 from just a few years ago. Uh, Skyfall, you know, this guy, this guy kicks ass. Revolutionary Road. Um, he's 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 got some stuff in his bag, I'd say. But Road to Perdition is fucking epic. My favorite Tom Hanks performance of all time. You got Paul Newman playing Daniel Craig's dad. <laughs> like, come <laughs> on, what great casting! Uh, I can't wait to talk about this movie, man. Um, we've been talking about this between both of us for literally years. How we want to tackle this movie. I think it feels right to do it. Can't believe it's 20 years old because it looks fucking gorgeous. The score is impeccable. One of the best scores I can think of, and one of my favorites from Thomas Newman. Uh, this we this is a this is a big one for us. May it may not be the biggest movie we've done, but it feels big for both of us because we love it. Yeah, this is a personal favorite that I've adored for years, and I've always felt was incredibly underrated and underseen, yeah. which is crazy because this is like everyone involved at some of their best work. Uh, Sam Mendes, I was talking to somebody the other day that Sam Mendes is like one of the most talented filmmakers working and not a lot of people know his name. It's wild. Like he should be considered one of the greats. And I don't understand why he isn't. I mean, everything he's done has been solid gold. Uh, And Road to Perdition, it might be his masterpiece. I think you're right. It's just a perfect vengeance story about you know humanity and loss of innocence and just so many great themes i i can't wait to dig into this thing yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool and it was up for six oscars at the 75th academy awards it won one for best cinematography but you know we've we've got plenty to talk about and 2002 is just a really cool year for for movies when you look back at the ceremony there's some there's some good stuff there you know so We'll do that towards the end of the show. We'll talk about the 75th Academy Awards. Um, I think we both agree that Road to Perdition should amount for Best Picture, so we'll kind of talk about that later on, talk about how Tom Hanks got robbed of a nomination. Uh, One one of the legends, one of the greatest movie stars of all time, and he's just putting in a shift in this movie. Uh, There's really nothing else in his filmography that's like it. Um, I didn't know, you know, when I saw this, the first time I was probably in middle school, like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And I remember just thinking, this is Tom, you know, you're so used to Forrest Gump, you know, or, or like some of his comedy stuff, uh, you know, big comes to mind. The burbs comes to mind, stuff like that, you know, where he's just, he's just being Tom. He's just being like a lovable guy, but this is like, this is a serious ass movie and he's, carrying it the whole way and he's rocking that mustache man you know he's the 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 that the hat the fedora and the and the the mustache just works <laughs> oh dude the the 30s gangster look is fucking clean like i love yeah. that look <laughs> you can't bring it back today or you look like a douchebag but back then like they they knew what they were doing they had they had style yeah yeah i totally agree yeah this is 1931 it all the movie takes place in one year so you know, the Great Depression era is so fascinating on screen. And with 
with this, a pretty straightforward story, you're never really second guessing what's going on. or You're never really um, out of the loop as an audience member, which I, I actually really respect when it comes to gangster, mob, mafia, whatever movies of this kind of subgenre. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I don't like when they're confusing. I rather them just be plain and simple. You took something from me. Now I'm going to take something from you. And I love the little plot lines that come into play, especially with Jude Law, you know, Maguire. I love, I love that plot line and it comes back into the, you know, into fold at the end. Uh, so good. This movie kicks ass, but my, you know, Thomas Newman's probably my favorite aspect of it. <laughs> the score is crazy good, but another, another favorite of mine from this movie would, would, would be the cinematography would be how, like how good it looks and how they capture this, this era, this kind of like film noir, atmosphere but with kind of you know a new look obviously i feel like this movie could have come out last year and i would i would believe that you know i think it looks that good yeah it does it does uh in the way a film is shot we've learned throughout this our kind of journey with this show is paramount and the cinematographer ultimately is responsible for the way a film looks and if you got, you know, you got to have a guy behind the camera who understands what this film's trying to say, what it's trying to be. And yeah, I feel like, um, what was his name? Conrad Hall. Yeah. 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 He killed it. <laughs> he really killed it. This is, this film looks incredible. And, um, I know that this was a posthumous win for him. Uh-huh. Uh, hell of a way to go out. Seriously. Like maybe his best work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And saying that's a huge deal. Cause this guy, I mean, this is one of the best guys to ever to ever do it behind the camera. Uh, he died in January of 2003, and the uh, Oscars that year were March of two, uh, 2003. So, unfortunately, he didn't get to see that that win. But he he's he's okay. He's he won two others. He won for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and he won for American Beauty. So, and this guy's. You know, Oscar resume ranges from 1965 to 2002, almost 40 years. Uh, it's got some amazing stuff in there. Some movies that I can't wait to see. I've always wanted to see uh, In Cold Blood from 1967. Um, I, I've, I actually really like A Civil Action from 1998. I've always wanted to see Tequila Sunrise from 1988. So he's got stuff that I'm just interested in. But uh, I mean, my favorite of those is Road to Perdition. You know, it's like it just looks incredible. And he won. You know, he won in uh, American Beauty in 1999. You know, obviously that movie destroyed that ceremony and won Best Picture as well. Uh, but Road to Perdition is really special because he he went out, you know, with a huge fucking swing. And it this movie has his touch on it. You know, yeah, it's a Sam Mendes film, but you have got to look at Conrad L. Hall's name as being a part of that, the way this movie looks and how how it's aged so well. I love that he got to work with Paul Newman in two very specific points in his career, mm. in Butch Cassidy and road to perdition. That is, mm. that's very intriguing and really cool. I like yeah. that. I, I would love God, the stories they must've had. Oh, geez. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, it'd be nice to be in the room with guys like that. Um, yeah. Paul, Paul Newman. Yeah. It, Paul Newman is nominated in road to perdition. He, he's just like, such a superstar and had that in his DNA for so long. Uh, he's just one of the coolest guys to ever do it. So yeah, we got a lot to talk about with this movie and 
we're going to do that. But I do want to shout out cinematography as a category, as being, in my opinion, just as important as best director, uh, just as important as best screenplay or best actor, whatever. I think it's one of the most important categories when it comes to the Oscars and when it comes to just movie making and how something looks. Cameras are, after all, the most important thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> without cameras, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just people fucking moving around like idiots. So, <laughs> so I want, I want to, I want to, you know, talk with you about our favorite, our top five favorite best cinematography wins from the 21st century. So that would be 22 movies altogether. Uh, I'll, I'll read them off just so we kind of know what the pool is. So the listeners know what the pool is. Uh, the first one would be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dr- 2000 that's peter powell that's a gorgeous film um if you haven't seen that i highly recommend it uh lord of the rings fellowship of the ring andrew lesney gorgeous <laughs> road to perdition conrad hall uh you got master and commander russell boyd master commander is a wickedly underrated movie uh the aviator 2004 uh that's robert richardson uh memoirs of a geisha dion beeb uh won that for 2005 uh, Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo Navarro, 2006, another gorgeous movie. There Will Be Blood, Robert Elswit. Robert Elswit, also the cinematographer for Michael, Clay- uh, uh, yeah, Michael Clayton that year, so decent work. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, I think that's a movie that's gotten kind of forgotten these days. Uh, Anthony Dodd Mantle won for that. Uh, you got Avatar in 2009, Moro Flore. It's not my favorite movie, but it's revolutionary uh, and destroyed the box office so you're gonna have to you know give it some respect inception in 2010 wally fister incredible stuff uh robert richardson again working with um your guy martin scorsese uh, hugo and the aviator not not too bad life of pi claudio miranda 2012 uh, and here's three in a row from emmanuel lubeski gravity birdman and the revenant the guy is a complete freak and has an argument for being the greatest to ever do it uh, La La Land, 2016, Linus Sandgren. It's got some good stuff going on. Uh, Mr. Roger Deakins, The Goat. <laughs> uh, Blade Runner 2049, that's somehow, someway his first win. Uh, but he has, I think, 18 nominations altogether. Uh, 2018, Roma, Alfonso Cuaron. Obviously, he, this is his baby. This is his masterpiece in his eyes. He directed, edited, and shot the whole movie. Pretty cool. Roger Deakins again, 2019 for 1917, uh, another Sam Mendes film that is just breathtaking. Uh, 2020's Mank, Eric Messerschmidt, unbelievable stuff. Uh, black and white film, uh, black and white photography that is really in a class of its own, and I think Mank is already underrated. Uh, and then just this last year, uh, Dune won. Uh, Greg Fraser, who's obviously a guy who's changing the game. Um, and he's a name to look out for. So these, these guys matter a whole lot to us. And that is the pool of movies we'll be choosing from for our top fives. I'll let you take it away with your number five. Yeah, I am expecting rampant overlap. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, my number five is Mank, Eric Messerschmidt. Okay, I had to cut that one, but God damn it, I love it. <laughs> it is beautiful. Uh, yeah. Capturing the, the vibe and the feel of 1940. Uh, Hollywood is, you know, crucial to appreciating this film, appreciating the people who created Citizen Kane. And I just think, you know, following Gary Oldman through this kind of like rabbit hole adventure of Herman Mankiewicz 
you know, rebellious like way through Hollywood. I just, I thought this, this looked incredible. It felt incredible and it was such a great movie. Uh, so I figured this was a good place to start. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, just, I think so misunderstood and I don't know what people wanted it to do for them. Uh, I guess they're expecting Zodiac, but that's not going to happen. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, you can only do that one time in a, in a man's career. I think Mank is really good. And a lot of filmmakers would be lucky to have that in their arsenal. Um, Eric Messerschmidt is like 30 something years old and look out for that guy. He's a genius. And anyone who can work with Fincher and kind of push the envelope and challenge him like Eric did. That's a special mind. And it, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's rare that you come by someone like that. So yeah, I love Mank is one I had to cut. Um, I wanted to have only one black and white movie, so you can guess what mine, my, mine is later on in the list. My number five though is road to perdition. Uh, obviously we will be talking about this movie a lot, so I'll kind of save most of my thoughts for later, but Jesus Christ, man, the rain, the rain in this movie, the the natural lighting, the nighttime stuff is so fucking good in this movie. And I forgot how good it was. When I was watching it last night, you know, I, I've always loved this movie because it's kind of a, a movie that me and one of my older brothers, uh, my brother Jeremy, he showed it to me when I was, again, sometime in middle school and he was in high school and he showed it to me. And it was one of those kind of, none of my friends had even heard of this movie type thing. And I felt cool, <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? I still feel cool because I love this movie. I'll go to bat for it any day. And I, I think it's a damn shame if, if you haven't seen it right now, it's on Netflix, Amazon prime and Paramount plus. So there's no excuse to not, not see this movie. Uh, it, it is, it is a classic and uh, it's a nine out of 10 kind of movie. It's, it's so close to being like, perfect in my eyes so uh yeah we'll talk about that a lot later yeah i share all of your sentiments uh roger perdition is my number four beautiful <laughs> beautiful <laughs> like you said the, the rain sequences the nighttime sequences this film looks impeccable it, you can tell that a you know a sure and steady hand did this ain't no squirrely amateur to quote yeah yeah Bill. <laughs> but uh it is just it you you really feel the weight of it all through the, the cinematography, the way this film is, is, is filmed. You just, you feel everybody's sins coming back to haunt them. And mm. there are no heroes. It's just, who's the worst villain? You know, there's a line where it's like, you know, we're all murderers here. It's, it's perfect. It's so amazing. And it starts with the look of, you know, depression era uh, Chicago. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I was audibly telling myself like, God, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Amazing. Fucking yeah. Fucking a, I was up, I was up late watching it and just, you know, it is, I had all the lights off type, type deal, you know, turn it up as loud as I could without my daughter waking up. <laughs> and, and I just, I just got locked in, you know, and God, but uh, the 19, 1930s Chicago is one of the most fascinating settings, let alone, and then you have it filmed by Conrad L. Hall. Hats off to him. Rest in peace. That guy's the man. Uh, my number four is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, what's crazy about this one, I believe Two Towers was nominated, but Return of the King was not. 
Um, of course, Two Towers lost to Red to Perdition. I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> but Fellowship, I can see why it just blew so many people away at the time, just because it's like, Jesus, like, the, just look at the Shire, you know, and look how gorgeous the production design is, of course, and the costumes and all of that. Look how pretty, how pretty everything is and how well how well everything is introduced to us is because of how, how easy, how easy the camera moves and how seamless it is from Andrew Lesney. This guy, Peter Jackson. Yeah. I mean, you're a hero, but Andrew Lesney is, is a guy you got to thank for, for, for giving us this amazing trilogy and how, how perfect it looks. God, I love these movies so much. It would feel wrong to leave it out. Um, you know, because it is the only winner of the three for, for cinematography. Uh, Fellowship destroyed that ceremony, man, and rightly so. It is my favorite movie of the trilogy. I love origin stories that that nail it, that aren't boring. That first hour is great when we're just kind of getting started. We're getting to know everybody. Uh, you have those really cool moments of Sam and Frodo leaving the Shire, and it's like, Jesus, this is gorgeous. This is It makes you want to go to New Zealand, and that's crazy. <laughs> Amazingly. Lord of the Rings didn't make my cut. I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. There's a lot of good movies here, man. <laughs> well, I just, I've, I've talked, I feel like, you know, I've spotlighted the Lord of the Rings so many times. And I oh yeah. It. We both have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to give some other stuff a chance to, to shine, but you know, obviously fellowship is, you know, very dear to my heart and the cinematography for that film is incredible. Um, and I'm glad you had it. So we, we, we do have an opportunity to, to throw it a bone here. Just shout it out. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great, great way to start. Uh, in my opinion, you know, cut out the Hobbit stuff. My, my favorite trilogy of all time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing for me is topping back to the future because there is no prequel. There is no spinoff. It's just, yeah. and it's perfect. Yeah. Lucky you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about, you know, desolation of smog and shit like that every time i think of lord of the rings i'm like i don't want to think about that <laughs> <laughs> that's great um my number three is one that if it's not on your list i will be very surprised uh there will be blood uh, yeah yeah i mean come on <laughs> yeah the, two weeks in a uh, row there will be blood made it made my top five yeah, I could I could find a way to fit There Will Be Blood into any top five. I don't care what it is. Top five 2005 movies. Well, There Will Be Blood. <laughs> it was I'm sure somebody shot. was somebody was thinking about it in 2005. Yeah, it was shot partially in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, you know, that's coming. <laughs> this film uh, looks amazing. It feels so much like a classic Western mixed with like a horror movie of, today it i just i i every time i watch that movie i'm more enamored by the way it looks uh you know it's very much about warring faiths and i love that uh but just like the landscape of just you know nothingness but knowing what daniel sees in that nothingness like you can see what he sees almost in the way that these, mm. the film's framed it's beautiful uh and your westerns are maybe the king of beautiful cinematography. And you can kind of, I guess you, There Will Be Blood can be considered a western, more kind of like a neo-western. Yeah. Uh, depends on who you're talking to, really. I don't, I don't know. I have weird classifications with westerns. 
but it looks amazing. It enhances Daniel Day-Lewis's performance. It enhances Paul Dano's performance. It enhances this beautiful storytelling, Paul Thomas Anderson's direction. It just, it, it's the perfect enhancer for that film. Yeah. Yeah, God. Yeah, I'll be talking about that very soon. <laughs> my, number, my number three is Roma from 2018. Um, God, I love this movie. And Alfonso Cuaron, this guy, he's just, it's fucking stupid what he's able to do. Uh, the stuff he's put together. Um, admittedly, if, I don't know what my favorite Cuaron movie is. I don't know. I, it's like so hard. But the one that's most impressive to me is Children of Men. And that was nominated, but it lost. So I would have that here. That's probably like my favorite the way that movie shot in 2006 is just fucking nuts. And, and it's another one like Road to Perdition. If it came out last year, like I would believe it. Um, but I wanted to include this Crone masterpiece because par- partially because he's doing everything. And because, you know, filming a movie in black and white, it... It can it can work for sure these days, you know, and I think I think sometimes it is kind of like it can be looked at as like a pretentious decision, depending on how you do it. But man, when it hits, it hits when it slaps, it slaps. And this is my favorite, probably my favorite black and white movie from the past decade. Uh, I I don't think there's anything else that's as pretty as it. Uh, I think Mank is a little bit more daring and. Is using is using those dark colors probably better than Roma is, but I think Roma is using the lighter colors better, the grays and the whites. You just you just feel like you're in the middle of a masterpiece uh, while watching Roma, and I think there's a reason it got like immediately got selected for Criterion. Um, I think I think there's a reason for that, and I think there's a reason for Cuarón finally winning Best Director. You know, uh, this is a movie that he controlled, you know, and he, he dominated this movie and you can, you can feel it. You can feel a a career coming together. Uh, You know, this guy who did, you know, Itumama Tambien and then got this huge break with doing a Harry Potter movie and children of men and gravity. Um, God, what a freak, you know, (laughs) just a complete freak of nature. And I I can't wait to see what else he does as he's one of the best we have. And hats off to him for for making Roma for making a movie as just as as bleak as it is at times and then as hopeful as it is at the end uh just gorgeous stuff and one that I will be rewatching forever for sure I think that the you know the the use of black and white in that film I think is specifically reinforcing the minimalistic approach that Quran is taking you know of the story of a a maid Mm. and yeah it just works. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like that movie because back in 2018, I was still, you know, I was still pretty like on certain things. And uh, I ended up watching that movie just because I was like, well, it's up for best picture. I should watch it. And it was beautiful. Yeah. It's, it looks beautiful. Quaron is such a multi-talented guy. And I just, I, I love that we got a Renaissance man working. We don't have a lot of those. Mm. And yeah, he's, incredibly talented and i'm glad that i think he's got two director wins and like one for cinematography one for editing or something like he just kept racking them up yeah it's crazy <laughs> good for him 
Yeah, he's got the coolest like Oscar closet. Like, dude, you've done everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for him to win, you know, get nominated for best actor or some shit in the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. And and Roma, you know, uh I'm you know, I'm just I'm I'm a fucking dumb white guy from Texas. Like for for you tapping into your Latino side, I think is really, really important. Uh, I think it's important for people who aren't from those places, but I think it's very important for you to tap into that side of your, you know, your DNA of your, your culture. And this is, this is one of the best Mexico city movies I've ever seen where like, Holy shit, 1970s Mexico city. What a fascinating setting. And with a guy at the helm who knows what he's talking about. So I, I love that about Roma. Yeah, Hispanic heritage is I'm especially these days, you know, considering, you know, I'm about to embark on my thesis, which is very much about um, Hispanic representation in film. Uh, films like Roma are incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, and they really make me feel connected to a mm. side of my, you know, of my heritage I haven't really explored lately. And we're, I felt exactly the same thing with Road to Perdition. It tapped into my Irish heritage. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is fucking awesome. So it's cool to have that, those moments of like, you know, I can feel, I feel something for this for a reason I didn't expect. Like those are really mm. cool moments. Yeah. Being, being aware of that is to me, one of the coolest parts of watching movies or, or, or embracing art is knowing, knowing how much it means to the person making it. Uh, and it's, it's very apparent when you're watching Roma, you're like, Holy shit, this guy cares a lot about this story. So yeah, great. I, I, I cannot wait to do this movie one day on this show. Um, I just, I'm not chomping at the bit to do a 2018 um, Best Picture Showdown. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Uh, but there's some, movie, there's some movies I love from that group, you know? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of A Star is Born. I'm a big fan of Vice. Um, we have done, actually, that year more than any other year. We've done, we've done Black Panther, If Beale Street Could Talk, Mining the Gap. We just did... Uh, uh, first reformed. Uh, so, you know, we've tackled that year a bunch, but we've, we've, we've uh, avoided green book, <laughs> avoided the best picture showdown, but one day we will do it. And Roma, I'm sure will be at the top of my list. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, we could always do like a best director showdown or something oh, based around Christ. Roma. Like that's always an option, but I get why you, why you're hesitant to go into that. Cause the green book's going to be a, an interesting episode when we finally do that we're gonna yeah, have a lot to like, unpack that we might not necessarily want to talk about but we're gonna yeah have. and giving awards out to green book i'm like man i'd rather do vice <laughs> you know <laughs> you know there's just so much more but yeah that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles uh, that's why i think it's important to not only look at the winner but look at the ceremony as a whole there's always going to be golden nuggets uh throughout and i think you know i think we're we're both really keen on finding those, uh, you know, road to perdition is one of those for 2002. It's one of those gems that, you know what? Chicago may have won, but road to perdition is the movie you should really watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, those are the best movies. The ones that were nominated, but didn't claim the same kind of thunder as the, as the winners. Yeah. And I think, you know, reclaiming those in some capacity is, is important and fun. And you know, I, I love it. Yeah, it's a blast. Well, all right. We're already to your number two. Yeah. So obviously, you know, there's no way I was going to, I think either of us are going to be able to do this top five without going into Lubeski. And really it was a selection of like, well, which one? <laughs> which of yeah. his three wins is going to make it into our top fives? 
Three in a row. God damn. Does that ever happen ever to anybody else in the Oscars? No, he's uh, in this category. I mean, I don't think in any category, but this one for sure. He's the only he's the only one to do that. That's beautiful. And well, he has I'd... and he has eight nominations, you know, so there's other stuff, you know, like Sleepy Hollow is one of his nominations. Uh, uh, yeah. The Tree of Life and Children of Men. Like this guy's a fucking freak. <laughs> yeah, he had his own wing at the Academy Museum. Like very few people had their own section, but he, he had one. That was yeah. amazing. Um, I went with The Revenant. Me too. That's my number two. Let's go. <laughs> it, this film is, is remarkable. Uh, stupid. I mean, stupid. <laughs> Leo's incredible. Tom Hardy's incredible. But the way this film looks, I mean, natural mm. lighting, like that is so fucking hard to do. I mean, the only other like example I can think of is Kubrick with Barry Lyndon. And mm. I imagine that was not an easy shoot. Yeah, but um, to, to <laughs> capture you know the the vibe of like 1750s Ohio Valley, I mean, what the fuck? It this movie looked amazing. It looked like I was watching a fucking documentary filmed at the time, and you can just see it. Just the, the landscapes, the colors, the, the the clouds. Like Lubeski is a goddamn genius, and pair him with Inuritu, and you get magic. Yeah. Uh, so this, yeah, this film looks amazing. I can't weirdly like nobody really kept talking about this one after Leo won his Oscar. It was like, all right, now pack it up. <clears throat> yeah. What a shame. What a shame. I think I love Leo to death. I love that guy. It's one what you know, he's one of the best movie stars we've ever had. But that win overshadowed the film itself. And what a mm-hmm. what a damn what a damn shame, you know. Uh one of my favorite theater experiences by far uh when you sit down for this movie and it starts you're like okay this is gonna be serious as fuck and they're not playing around here there's not gonna be one single bit of comedy in this movie uh when you see that first spear fly at leo's you know these are these are basically you know frontiermen who are trying to trade fur you know and you're like okay you know this movie happened before but not like this you know when that first spear flies at them from these you know native american characters who are flying at them and trying to kill them you're immediately like holy shit who's behind the camera you know like that was my first thought was it was one of those formative experiences as a as a movie fan because i started thinking that way of someone is is filming this someone knows how to make how to film this and then when you learn about lubeski and like you said his his photography is all is all basically in all of his movies is, is natural. It's natural lighting and it's playing with the elements of nature. And this movie, it's it's like 10 degrees outside while they're making this movie. And there's great pictures of Lubeski with his camera. And he's got like a, he's got like a tarp over his camera because it's snowing and it's raining and it's coming at him. And he's just, he, he's like an athlete as, as a, you know, him and Deacons to me are the most athletic ballsy guys who are like let's get dirty let's get our hands dirty and make a movie just because this is a camera doesn't mean we have to treat it like it's a you know a baby let's fucking get it dirty let's get this thing let's make it useful and i love that about lubeski i love that so much and yeah yeah you could go with gravity looks great you go with birdman but the revenant is a game changer like total game changer to me maybe maybe his most impressive thing he's ever done um that wing that you brought up earlier at the Oscar Museum 
was basically revenant <laughs> was basically a revenant wing i mean the, the 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 photos that they had of these different native americans uh that were in the movie you know it is like what the fuck like how can how can someone just do do art so seamlessly and i just remember being in that room and being like i like this guy's this guy's greatness and people should know his name he's he's not a, he's not a he's not on the same level as deacons where people just know who that is right away and they know what movies they've done but he should be he fucking should be you know um he's my favorite guy to do it and the revenant is the movie that i would point out to where it's like look at all of his all of his best um all the best parts of his craft are on the at the forefront while watching the revenant that movie is fucking incredible. Now I don't rewatch it all the time because it's like two and a half hours, but I do watch clips of it a lot just to remind myself of how gorgeous this, this art form is that we love. And uh, yeah. And, and you have, and you have Alejandro directing <laughs> Jesus, you know, what a, what a cool team for them to go back to back Birdman and the Revenant is, is special. Yeah, for sure. And that was, you know, that was around the time when I first started noticing the uh, intricacy and appreciation of like extended long takes. Mm, yeah. Which has become something that I like, you want to win me over quickly, give me a long, <laughs> extended, like uninterrupted take that just keeps going. Yeah. And the Revenant really, like, not just the take, but like what is in that take is so complex and unpredictable that getting that shot seems impossible, but they got it. And it looks amazing. I, that is nothing but praise to me. And I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love this movie. Love, love, love the Revenant. Um, it's one of the first Blu-rays I bought when I was like, whatever, I guess 20, when this movie came out, I was like, I have to have this on Blu-ray. And that was before I really, like took took my like collection seriously so it was like one of the first movies where i was like i need to have this no that's a cool feeling to have um from then on you know uh just taken even more seriously just kind of trying to collect movies and have things that i appreciate and love and the revenant i'll always own that movie man i i I would love to do it on the show just to keep going into going into this stuff because clearly we both respect it a lot yeah Apart from Mank, which is a Netflix original, I own all five of my picks. Yeah, I, I yeah I don't own Roma, but um, I should. I don't know why I don't. I need to get the Criterion edition of that because at first I was like, oh shit, it's a Netflix movie. I don't know if they're gonna like put it out on DVD. Um, but that one and Marriage Story both got um, Criterion selected, so I, yeah, I want I want both of those. It is weird what. Like certain Netflix movies get a, a, a DVD release, certain ones don't. It's so strange, like what gets selected and how that works. Really, it's like it's got to be an amazing movie to get Criterion selected. Yeah, that's the best bet. I think I think the Irishman as well uh, is yeah. Criterion. Yeah, uh, that's probably it. Um, I don't think any other Netflix movies. Maybe like Beast of No Nation. That movie was like that, a big deal. That did get selected. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. So yeah, it has to be a big. It has to be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> a, pretty, a pretty big deal. Yeah, makes sense. Um, number one should come as no surprise. Uh, Roger Deakins is the goat. I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? And this film 
takes what I love about cinematography and amplifies it to a degree I didn't think was possible. And that yeah. is 1917. Yeah. Sam Mendes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking it back all the way to, to Mendes. This movie is one of the most beautiful, intricate films I've ever watched. And I just, I, I can't believe this was accomplished. And if, you know, the whole movie looks like one take, which is amazing. And yeah. it's so like loaded with, you know, soldiers and battles and planes and just shit you could not do in one take. But Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins did it. And they made this beautiful humanistic war movie about loss and, you know, what, like what we're fighting for. And it's, it's amazing. I, I love this movie. I can't believe, I mean, Parasite's amazing, but this was so close. Like for me, it was like, it was a coin toss between these two movies. Like I love Parasite. I love 1917, 2019, man. God, what a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For me, it's once upon a time. That was my favorite. Uh, yeah. Even that, like just, there was so much competition that year. I remember yeah. being so excited the whole time. And yeah, that movie rocked my world. Um, I, it was the first one I wrote down. Like, of course, nothing's beaten 1917 in the cinematography department. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, goddamn. Yeah, that's, oh boy, that's a theater experience that if you know, you know. Because um, you really you really only need to see it once to be like, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. You know, that's that's a guy, those are two guys who clearly clearly know what they're doing sam mendez and roger deakins they're at the tippy top of their game um sam mendez playing playing like from the heart making a movie that was connected to his family and roger deakins is is the guy for it you know um what's great about deakins is his is this like second leg he's had in his career of working with all kinds of different directors you know because he's so attached to to the to the coens for so long and a lot of his nominations are from Coen Brothers movies. See him, you know, work with Denny Villeneuve and, and Sam Mendes, you know, like that's, that's really cool of him to do to kind of put his touch on this, you know, different wave of filmmakers. Um, and it, sh- it just shows how goddamn talented he is. Uh, yeah. 1917 was hard to leave off, man. Uh, my list. It's like, it's unfair what, what that movie's doing, uh, how it, there are there are breaks in it if you if you rewatch it at home especially when you're when you're like on the couch and you're like okay you can you can find the breaks in it where you're like ah <laughs> you guys stopped <laughs> but when you watch in the theater and you're in that mode of like oh my god everything's so big you can't tell and you you you're not re- you're not thinking about that you're just enjoying a movie and you're you're in the middle of war with these guys uh, it's jesus this movie's good well, that's what I love most about it is it's not a gimmick. Like it could have just been like, you know, watch this one interrupt, like, you know, uninterrupted take of a war movie. And that's great. But at its core, like you've got these great characters and this awesome story. And mm-hmm. that's what keeps you engaged. It's like it's that combination of like just, you know, an amazing look and an amazing story that just won me over immediately. Yeah. And there's moments of, you know really sad moments that bring you to tears in this film you know people learning their their brothers are dead and it's just it reminds you just how chaotic world war one was and how nobody really knew what the fuck they were there for like the 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 you know the motive behind that war is so 
muddy that you're going to get a different answer from anybody you ask. Like World War II is very obvious. Like, yeah, Nazis were bad. Let's fuck them up. World War One was like, well, this country was in league with this country, which was in league with that country. And that country had a treaty with these people. It made no fucking sense. And millions of people died. Mm. So this, I think this movie really like reinforces the fact that like, we're just there to kill. There was no real reason to be there. Uh, but that's, that's the history buff in me coming out. I, I love this movie. Oh uh, yeah. No, I, I totally understand. George McKay, man. Oh my God. This is, this well, is a, love that's how- a performance for the ages. I love the movie bait and switches you thinking like, no, Dean Charles Chapman is the guy we're going to be following. And this guy's just along for the ride. And then it fucking swaps on you. And you're like, oh no, he's our hero. Like the guy who doesn't even want to be here is the guy who's going to finish this mission. It's like, shit, Mm. now, now we're in a different movie. Like, geez, just thinking about it. Like I want to watch it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel you, man. I feel you. I really, all of these movies, I'm like, man, these are so pretty. I, I want to see them again. I want to watch them, rewatch them right now. That's kind of why we do these lists is to kind of, it's like a personal exercise of why do you continue watching this stuff? It's like, well, because of, because of this, <laughs> because of this craft. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a great pick. Uh, my number one is obviously there will be blood. Robert L. Swit. Um, Robert L. Swit is the guy who filmed almost all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. And he's one talented motherfucker. That's for sure. Aside from that, aside from that, he's done a lot of movies. I just really, really dig. He's so good at making movies feel like movies and just kind of have that magic. He, he did The Town. He did Nightcrawler. He did Michael Clayton. Um, stuff that I just personally really, really dig. He, he also did King Richard uh, last year. And I thought that movie was really pretty and had no business like looking as good as it did. Uh, he's, he's the fucking man. But There Will Be Blood is his... His lone win. He was nominated for uh, Good Night and Good Luck as well, just a couple years prior. Uh, another great movie. And There Will Be Blood is, it just makes sense that he would have a lone win for that. Uh, but I do think he's been overlooked like time and time again. And PTA and him being together, because PTA is a very, very hands on camera guy. So to work with him, must be a pain in the ass at, at times, you know, when you're like, I know what I'm doing. Let me, let me, you know, let me figure this out. Clearly they have some kind of bond that makes sense and makes just movie magic. And there'll be blood is to me kind of the uh, signature movie of, of the two thousands <laughs> where I, I hear, I hear all the arguments for, for, for anything from that decade. That's just, but, but that is the movie that looks the best. And is a movie that a hundred years from now, people will still be watching. I can't say that about everything from the, two, from the two thousands, but I think there will be blood is a timeless like piece of work that, that belongs in a museum. It's that good. It looks that good. has that good of performances, has that good of writing. It is pretty cut and dry with what it's trying to tell you about, you know, 1900s, uh, you know, 20th century United States. Uh, we, we talked a lot about this last week, combining, combining religion with the American dream and like what it takes, who, like whose dick you have to suck, you know, and like, where do you have to go to, to really get on top? Uh, and not, you know, not only is it, is it that not only is it, there will be blood, but it's, it's also just a, a feat and in, in the way it's shot that first 15 minutes where there's no dialogue is like such a fuck you to other people 
other people making movies, it's like, fuck you. You usually have to have a, like a hook at the beginning of movies. You got to do something with music. You got to do this. You got to do that. Uh, but this movie is just like, look at us. Look at what, look how beautiful this is. And these guys are just digging for oil. You know, <laughs> like these guys, are, these guys are mining, <laughs> you know, and, and you can't take your eyes off, off the screen. And then finally we have, you know, we, we, we hear Donia Plainview and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> we have a film. <laughs> you give me a determined Daniel Day-Lewis with a pickaxe and a dark mine shaft of like descending into hell. You, I'm, I'm in. Like, give me yeah. two and a half hours. I'm in. Yeah. Um, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, films that will be watched, you know, 100 years from now and there will be blood being one of those films. I just picked up uh, the Criterion Collection edition of The Kid. And yeah, that film, is a, yeah. that film is 101 years old. And it just still pristine. And that is an amazing achievement to make a film that lasts that long. I, I know I'll, I won't see it unless I live to be like 110 and I don't really want to do that. But uh, <laughs> it'll be amazing to see what we're holding on to when we're like 90. What the films that have lasted the film because I you know obviously we're still going to be talking about movies maybe not we'll be doing some like robot space podcast on the moon or some shit but yeah. it'll be uh, you know it'll be neat to see what makes it that far and I do think there will be blood will be one of the films that's going to last till the end of time uh, yeah it, it it if 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 only for look at the greatest perform performer to ever live doing maybe the best work of his entire life. Like that's, that's worth it. Like we, we still watch, you know, Burt Lancaster in the fifties because it's like, well, cause it's, it's Burt Lancaster and it's the fifties or uh, Humphrey Bogart in the forties, but because it's Humphrey Bogart in the forties, like why not watch it? And I think that's, what's going to happen with Daniel Day-Lewis in the nineties and two thousands. You're like, it's Daniel fucking Day-Lewis, like doing, doing his thing. And that's like enough for people to just keep, keep watching forever. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I can't wait till it's you know, twenty seventy, and people are like, "Is there will be blood the greatest movie of all time?" You know, like I, I I'm going to be here for that conversation. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> I, I have to be here for that conversation. I mean, yeah, I, you know, he Paul Thomas Anderson's always going to pop up in these top fives just because uh, they're all of his movies are like my favorites. Um, that's just that's just the way it fucking rolls with me. Uh, but I genuinely think that movie is so gorgeous, and you combine it with Johnny Greenwood's score, and it's like just Jesus Christ. These all of these guys are kind of at the top of their game, kind of in their prime, and that's that's such a cool thing to have. Whereas Road to Perdition, you kind of have a mixture. You have a mixture of things going on. You have Tom Hanks, who's like, I'm Tom Hanks. I don't need this. I don't need anything. I'm Tom Hanks. But you have Sam Mendes, who very much needs this. You know, you need a follow-up to American Beauty. You need to show that you have this. You have Paul Newman, who's like, I don't need to prove shit. Like, I'm, I'm Paul Newman. But you also have Daniel Craig, who has something to prove. Jude Law, who has something to prove. And you have Conrad L. Hall, who's like, I don't, I don't need to show you guys anything. I've been doing this for 60 years. I'm the man. So it, it's really cool how a movie, a movie can kind of... Uh, kind of take take what's the word a movie like road to perdition can kind of use those to it to its advantage use something like that where you have a mixture of people proving themselves but also veterans yeah and that's really cool like a changing of the guard 
I, I didn't really yeah. consider Road to Perdition to be that kind of movie, but it really is. It's a it's a changing of the guard. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You have kind of a, a, a cast and crew that are like all there for different reasons. And it come it like it's like a puzzle, it just fits. So I'm I, I'm not surprised we both had it in our top five. You know, it's again, this this episode has been a long time coming, which might just might be surprising for some people, but we just both connect on this movie and occasionally that'll happen, you know. Of course, movies like The Godfather is like, well, that's easy. Everybody connects on that. Yeah. The Road to, per- Road to Perdition is one of those, one of those kind of random ones. It made a lot of money. It made like 150 million at the box office because movies like this used to do really well <laughs> and used to be able to come out in theaters and people gave a shit. Yeah. But uh, movies like this don't really exist anymore. <laughs> you know, it's hard to like do this yeah. now. Um, the only way to do this is if like you're Tom Cruise and you're making Top Gun, or you're a Disney or a Marvel movie and that's just the way it is right now because of streamers. It's funny. Like I didn't expect this to be a recurring theme this week, but we literally just went into all of that on Beyond the Bad uh, this past Friday on The Pacifier because that was one of those movies, kind of a mid-tier movie that made a lot of money back then, but would con- be considered a failure these days because of, because of what we've had to reevaluate as a success. And interesting that we're seeing that in you know, the drama as well. Um, mm. Cool. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I love that there's something that connected beyond the bad and Oscar Sunday this week. That's really cool. Th- these shows have more in common than we know. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Well, let's recap real quick, and then we'll talk more about Road to Perdition. So my my number five is Road to Perdition. Uh, number four, Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. Number three, Roma. Number two, The Revenant, and number one, There Will Be Blood. Nice, beautiful. Mine is uh, number five, Mank. Number four, Road to Perdition. Number three, There Will Be Blood. Number two, The Revenant, and number one, 1917. Beautiful. I, I love it. So we both had Road to Perdition and The Revenant. And There Will Be Blood. And There Will Be Blood. Yes, we had three. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And, and one of the ones that I had, I thought for sure you'd have is Lord of the Rings. And I'm sure you thought I'd have Mank. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, was, what was the toughest one to cut? Uh, Lord of the Rings by far. Okay. Like, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. I have a lot of loyalty to that trilogy and I, I adore it. And I've, you know, just, it's one of those comfort food series for me. So having to kind of put fellowship aside and kind of just accept in my, like for myself that like, these are not better films, but better work in terms of cinematography that I think adds more to the conversation that was a tough conversation to have with myself, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I had a tough time leaving Mank out, leaving 1917 out, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is definitely a, a kind of dark horse movie. I thought you, I was pretty sure you were going to have Blade Runner 2049. I mean, fuck, I love that movie. I, I like, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation. Now, when we did special effects, I had, I had that my top, and same with Life of Pi. Yeah. I think I respect that front of those movies. Like Blade Runner looks fucking amazing, but I think it has a lot to do with technology. Um, I mean, no, Deacons is the man. I'm not, you know, no, no, there's no degrading him. Yeah. But I, I do think like 1917 is a more impressive feat from a cinematography standpoint. See, I wonder that like, like a film like Avatar, for example, like, is that, really cinematography or is that just one giant visual effect like what's what's the line there okay see i agree with you there like i think the hurt locker looks way better than avatar and is a movie that has like serious like substance within within the lens 
Avatar is like if you watch Avatar, it's it's amazing what they did with that movie. But it is a lot of it's a lot of green screen, a lot of green screen, and a lot of like Zoe Saldana wearing like a black jumpsuit with all these little balls all over it to like make make her blue. (laughs) So like I don't know. Like if that for to me like if if a film like Avatar is considered you know best cinematography, then we should be allowed to nominate animated films for that award. Because that's basically the same thing. <laughs> it's if it's all it's all made on a computer. So how is that? You know, a handheld camera. Yeah, I I, I totally hear you on that. I I agree. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's a fascinating debate to have. You know, uh, Avatar. Avatar is the one I look at. And Inception too. There's sometimes an Inception. I'm like, wait a minute. This is like buildings fold, folding over themselves. Yeah, it looks cool, but that doesn't really mean the camera did did all that work <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a it's a fine line like i you know i had the same thoughts on about this past winter dune like is it visual effects or is it cinematography like where do we you know where where does one begin and the other ends like i don't know mm. maybe that's something we'll keep learning about i'm i'm always down to just keep figuring out what these what these jobs these occupations within a movie mean and what they entail, you know, maybe there's more to it, you know, maybe Greg Fraser it was doing more with Dune than we realize, and and I would love to figure that out, you know, that's kind of kind of the glory of it, but we both clearly like movies that look really pretty, like to use natural lighting, like to, like to really hone in on characters and story rather than, rather than kind of blow you away with Ah, uh, this is movie making. You yeah. know, this is this is this is CGI or this is computer. This is this is trying to fool you. You know, Thoroughly yeah. Blood's not really trying to fool you. It's just like, look how cool this looks. You know, look how cool yeah. that fire looks. Yeah, yeah. I love a good blockbuster, but honestly, like at the end of the day, i i want I want to be invested. I want a good story. I want something that looks and feels real. And mm. most, you know, I, I find that more in drama than I do any other genre uh me, me, that's something me i'm learning about myself the more i do these shows it's interesting yeah 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 i've definitely learned that too where you know horror horror is my favorite genre when it hits when it hits mm-hmm. it's like it's like rap for me it's like there are some rap albums that i'm obsessed with but there are so many rap albums that I'll, I will pass on all day, every day. There's a lot of horror movies that I'm just like, no, nah, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't get it. And that's fine. But when it hits, it fucking hits and it feels good. It's invigorating. But drama I find mostly is like, I'm going to find something good out of this because the, you know, these actors are fucking going for it. It's, I love subtlety, you know, and most of my, most of my favorite directors are playing within that, that, that genre. So uh, like that's their sandbox, and yeah, I I've definitely learned a lot about myself by just watching more and more and more stuff, especially especially old stuff. You know, uh, I'm addicted to 1970s American movie making, so a lot of those movies within that decade are they're pretty serious. They're pretty self serious and pretty. They're they're you know they're trying to tell a very human story, and I I, I love that. Yeah, and Road to Perdition very much, I felt, drew influence from, like, 30s and 40s gangster films. Oh, yeah. You, you felt, oh, yeah. I, I felt white heat. I felt the public enemy. Like, there was, mm. there was a lot in here that I just, like, now I could fully appreciate, and that was just great. Yeah, like, the the Maguire 
Michael scene at the diner is like, this is Alfred Hitchcock. Like, this is fucking like, like we know, we both know what's going on, but we're going to fucking act like we don't, but we both know. <laughs> and it's, 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 you know, scary character, scary character, guys who are capable of murdering, of just destroying people. And they're going toe to toe inside of a diner with all these people. It's like, that's, it's fucking thrilling. Just watching these two guys talk about their bullshit, um, uh, occupations, you know, they're just making stuff up. It, and it's beautiful, you know, you could have it become a shootout, or you could have it become Tom Hanks is like, I'm gonna go to the restroom, and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here, and I'm gonna stab your tires, and I'm gonna get on my way, you know, <laughs> like, that's, that's, I'm, like, totally here for all that stuff, it is definitely playing with old film noir, and, you know, it's 1931, you know, they're, they're playing with the times that the story is in, so let's talk about Road Perdition, man, let's give some awards to it, let's fucking dig in and have some fun here, you know, we have we have our Tarantino Award for best quote. Great, great screenplay. Underrated. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award. Uh, take your pick. Thomas Newman is just putting on a clinic in this movie. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, best performance. You know, that I for me it was pretty clear, but you know there are some choices. And then the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie. So I'll let you take it away with your Tarantino whenever you're ready. All of this was so hard. This movie is so. Yeah. Yeah. gorgeous it's such an amazing story great character so i really had to had to think this one through and uh my best line comes from uh frank nitty played by stanley tucci uh god yes what a great character <laughs> of course he's here like, yeah um and this is from the scene where michael sullivan is requesting like let me kill connor rooney and all's forgotten and frank nitty's like well hell here's the deal he says, all these years you've been living under the protection of people who care about you. And those same people are protecting you now, including me. So if you go ahead with this, if you open that door, you're walking through it alone. And all that loyalty and all that trust will no longer exist for you. And Mike, you won't make it. Not on your own and not with a little boy. Just having it all laid out, like, look, if you go through with this, like, it's open season. Like, you will die. Your son will die. You only ex- like your standing is only there because we allow it. Just having that like realization of like I am meaningless to this organization, like as of now because I'm a threat. Like any you know, you're nothing. To find out you're nothing, and Jesus Christ, the way that that's laid out is so perfect. Yeah, God, that's a great scene. Stanley Tucci is the fucking man. He pops up in the most random roles in great movies and he always knocks it out of the park like he he is one of the ultimate those guys you know that guy he is at the top of that list of i don't think every movie fan knows who he is right up you know if you hear stanley tucci they're like what's he in you're like everything (laughs) you know but but like if you're if you're really into this stuff you know stanley tucci by name because he always brings the heat and he is amazing and those like those short scenes that he's in and then towards the end of the movie, I love when he's like, he's connected to Al Capone. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's such a neat, such a neat uh, little like, plot line that like we get teased, teased by. Cause this is, this is Sullivan's story, but there are like multiple gangsters at play here. And it, it's awesome because 1930s Chicago is like the Mecca of, of American gangsters. Well, I recognized the name and I looked him up and Frank Nitti actually was, an American crime boss in Chicago. Yeah. He was 
Al Capone's first cousin and bodyguard. He was he was the, the like in charge of the money of the Chicago crime scene. Like, holy shit. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a scary looking fucker when you like look him up on, on online. You know, Stanley Tucci yeah. doesn't really look like him, but but Tucci just makes it his own. He makes yeah. it his own little 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 character. It's great. He's, he's the Tooch. He he adds so much greatness to movie. And the whole time with, with their interactions, I just kept thinking, in two years they're gonna do the terminal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. they're gonna be back together. And just I love that. Um <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. My Tarantino comes from a, a quote that you slightly mentioned earlier. Um, you're talking about Conrad L. Hall's ability to just make us feel like we're in the thick of, of something really dark and really scary, but also like a fucking roller coaster thrill ride. And it's, it's when we have the genius scene of Michael, of Tom Hanks, going to John Rooney to uh, Paul Newman at the, at the, at mass at church. Mm. <laughs> and he's just, ha- he just has his head down. Right. Which is, this is such a beautiful shot. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we need to talk. And he's like, you're a smart man, Michael. And, you know, they go downstairs. They're like, they're like in a basement. And they, they kind of just start, start going at it about, um, you know, he's like, I, 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 I've been shot. Um, Michael's Michael's been hit by Maguire, by Jude Law's character. Uh, and like a really good, that's a really great scene between, between those characters. The accountant is there and he's fucking hilarious. Uh, I think his name's Rance, right? In the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he, you know, he, he, he recovers, Michael recovers and he's like, I still have a job to do. I still need to, you know, avenge my, my, my wife and my, my kid. And so he goes up there and he's like, Hey, I found out this information about your son. He's been embezzling money. And Paul Newman's like, John Rooney's like, I, I know this, you know, I, I know this has been happening. <laughs> this dialogue leads to like easily my favorite, favorite bit of bit of a uh, bit of dialogue in the whole film. And it's Michael says he murdered Annie and Peter. And John Rooney says, there are only murderers in this room, Michael. Open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see heaven. And Michael Sullivan says, Michael could, which is his son. And John Rooney says, then do everything that you can to see that that happens. Oh, man. <laughs> Whew. A, you know, a great, like, great bit of foreshadowing. Gives me chills because it's Paul Newman. You're like, oh, my God, it's Paul Newman. <laughs> it's, this, this, is, this is arguably, you know, the, the coolest guy who's ever, ever stepped in front of a camera talking to Tom Hanks, who's a guy who's grown up, has his own family, a guy that he adopted off the streets because he was struggling and he took him in as his own it all comes to this moment, you know, and they don't talk again until, <laughs> until, you know, until Michael gets his, you know, and get, you know, he fucking plows, plows over all those guys in the streets. So, you know, I'll be talking about that later. <laughs> uh, I, I love that scene. I almost picked it as my deacons, the scene between them two when they're just screaming at each other and how serious that moment is of like, I am like, are you fucking serious? You're going to let your son Connor do this shit to you. And he's like, I know he's been doing it and he's probably going to get his, you're probably going to get yours. And I'm probably going to get mine, you know? And it's such a fucking gangster moment. <laughs> like it's one of, it's one of my favorite bits uh, from, from any gangster movie of all time. I love those moments in gangster movies where they're like, this is who we are. Yeah. Like, we're have no, <laughs> Yeah. Like have no, you know, misconceptions. We're monsters murdering people. 
and, you know, get with the program. Understand that. I love those moments. And this one has such a great one. I've just, you know, he knows he's fucked. John Rooney knows there's no way out here. He knows it's either his fuck up son or the son he wish he had. Mm. And you, he's got to go with blood. Like you get it. But also you're like, dude, why would you back this asshole? It's so, oh man, it's great. And yeah. Paul Newman, the just the indecisiveness, the conflict in him, the whole goddamn movie is so perfect. He plays that so well. He's goddamn vet. You know, yeah. he, Paul Newman's like, you know, let me show you how it's done to everybody on this goddamn set. And I'm sure yeah. they all would just like, I'm sure people showed up on their days off to just watch him work. I, I, I sure as hell would, man. Yeah. <laughs> God, the guy's a freak in this movie. So good. Um, that it was, <laughs> that's my favorite bit, but I, I do, there's a few times where I laugh in Road to Perdition where I'm like, it's not intentional, you know, it's just like one of those. Oh my God. It's when Frank Nitty is talking to Connor and he's like, <laughs> Connor's like, I can look after myself. And he's like, no, you can't. That is the point. You're a big baby who doesn't know his thumb from his dick. <laughs> I love like, like Connor's reaction to that. Like you're being short-sighted. I'm going to be in charge one day and I'm going to remember this. Like, yeah. And then Nitty's like, <laughs> like he scoffs, but he also doesn't say anything. Yeah, he's like, God damn it, he's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm the heir to the throne, bitch. Yeah, I am his son. Yeah, God, this movie is great. Daniel Craig, too. Uh, it, this is the movie, I think, where it's like, uh oh, we have an actor in our hands. Like, yeah, he was nobody. And then yeah. he, he landed this. And then, you know, then it was Lair Cake. And then it was James Bond. I mean, yeah. talk about a rise to stardom super fucking fast. I mean, within four years. He's Amazing. one of the biggest names on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's a superstar. Uh, I would love to hear. I, I would love to hear. I don't think anybody ever ta- asks him about Road to Perdition. I bet mean, he only gets James Bond questions. I would love to ask about this movie. I, this would be the first thing I, I'd be like, what is it like to play Paul Newman's son? Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, you know, <sighs> nobody at the time and Paul Newman. Like, what a, I mean, how do you, you, I mean, him, you know, she, he was doing probably like bit parts of the BBC. He gets cast in this movie and now he's acting with Paul Newman. How, how do you do that? Like, how do you just get in that mental space of like one of the greatest actors of all time is beating the shit out of me right now? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Crazy. Um, yeah. Incredible one, stuff. Uh, Runner up dialogue line I had is uh, during Michael's final conflict. Uh, confrontation with with john and john's just accepting it and he says i'm glad it's you yeah oh and i nearly had that but i'm just like fuck oh (laughs) jesus what a god that scene oh man (laughs) fucking love this movie Uh, it's so it's so good i love i love the the dialogue between um uh Kieran Hans, who, who, what's the guy's name? He plays McGovern. McGovern. In McGovern. Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene when he gets killed, and, and I love the way it's shot from the boy's perspective. You can see the feet and what, like that's such a beautifully shot scene. Um, and that's some great, great stuff happening there too. Shit. And that's that. That's when we see how stupid Connor is, and how noble Michael is, and he's like, I have to like fix this. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Finn McGovern's like the speech at the wake where he starts getting out of line and Michael like, he's like, okay, okay. Like leads a round of applause to get him the fuck out of there before he says something he's going to regret. 
Mm. Like I was like, oh, that was perfect. Kieran Hines, what a great character actor who just oh, feels yeah. like he's always been there and is only now really starting to get his due. Yeah, unfortunately, that happens. That happens to a lot of a lot of guys who put in work for decades and then something happens. And I guess for him, it was um, Belfast, I guess, is the one where people are like, oh, this guy's actually a pretty lovely performer. And you're like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, it was a mixture of Belfast and then his involvement in the Snyder cut as Steppenwolf, I think. Mm. Like brought him to you know, brought that side of pop culture to his doorstep. So yeah, I think that, it was a kind of a blend there. That's a good call. Yeah, that's that's definitely the one. When you're in a big movie like that, that's popular, and you're kind of a character actor who just who just does does his job. Uh, that definitely will will help you out. So yeah, good call. Um Inyo Morricone, this is the toughest one for me. Um good luck. This might look. I love I love the Shawshank Redemption to death, but I do think Road to Perdition is Thomas Newman's masterpiece. Oh, this score I, yeah. is so haunting, but so powerful and beautiful. I knew exactly what I was going to pick. It's, it's one of my favorite bits of score of all time. It's called Road to Chicago. Oh, oh, God damn it! I had that written down until later. <laughs> so great it's amazing it's just you know it's right after they you know they're deciding like we can't you know this is not our home anymore this is just an empty house or empty building i love that line and they're driving to chicago and this beautiful piano just crescends into you know the arrival of chicago this larger than life animal that they're just in now and the god newman what an amazing composer. <laughs> I, every time when they're walking through the, the crowd and like the cameras focus just on them. Yeah. It's just, I, I was, I was in awe. Yeah. I, I love those moments where it's just like, everything's working so beautifully and you can't help but be mesmerized. Yeah. Like, those yeah. are the best moments watching movies. And yeah, I, I've never seen Frida. I don't know how good Elliot Goldenthal did with that score. But as far as I am concerned, Thomas Newman was fucking robbed. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Uh, God, I love this score. Uh, listening to it all day, and just kind of, kind of going back and forth on stuff. I I had the whole time I watched it. Basically, I had Road to Chicago as as my choice. But then you know today when I was listening to it. And this will happen a lot. But when I'm doing these awards, I take them so seriously. <laughs> uh, I, I I was like, let me let me make sure, you know, because I think sometimes when with music, if you're not watching the movie and you hear a piece of score for piece of score from a movie, and it like immediately like brings you like breaks you down. It's like wow, that's that's powerful because now images are playing in your head of the movie. And there's there's the the bit when we meet McGuire. It's called Meet McGuire. Um, that's when we see Jude Law for the first time. And it, Thomas Newman brings back his strings from like the American Beauty sound uh, score, and it's so creepy and so weird. This is the most out of left field scene of the movie where you're like, the fuck is wrong with this guy? You know, like he's taking pleasure in this. You know, and um we see we see that that pretty pretty large fellow with a knife in his chest and mcguire's just like in the zone you're like what what's wrong with this guy you know and it's one of my favorite things about this movie is that there are moments of like what the fuck is going on you know like and not what the fuck is going on where i'm confused about the plot but like 
these people are monsters, you know? And I love when that happens in a movie like this, where we do have these, these kind of, you know, um, trench coat wearing, just like super mega stars like Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. It's cool to see Jude Law playing this fucking weirdo, this like sociopath oddball who's, who's just yeah. in the mix. He's now the guy who's hunting Michael. He's the guy who's trusted to hunt him, you know, and uh, all comes back around to Frank Nitty. And, and uh, you know, I, I love that bit of score. It's like two minutes. It's very quick, but it's creepy as hell. And comes comes shortly after uh, the road to Chicago because that's when when he gets when when they get to Chicago the movie starts rolling and starts rolling fast. Uh, it's like it's like thirty or forty minutes in and you're like, oh my god, buckle up! You know the rest of the movie is a fucking ride. Uh, so I, I had to choose that because I just I can't get Jude Law's weird ass smile out of my face. You know. Uh, with that weird hat he's wearing and his teeth are kind of nasty and his eyes are bugging out. And that's just, that's the best stuff is when you can immediately envision what the movie did to you when you're not even watching it. Like that's how powerful Thomas Newman is. Uh, ah, man, that's so hard. You brought up Shawshank earlier and it's like, fuck, we did that movie not that long ago on this show. And I remember both of us just like, we're like about to start crying talking about that score. I feel the same way about Road to Perdition. It's like, this is what the art form is for. This is like what music yeah. is for, is to capture images and apply apply emotion to it through music is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And Road to Perdition does it beautifully. I love John Williams. I love Hans Zimmer, Alan Silvestri. Like, these guys are great. But Thomas Newman yeah, has I, some yeah. like direct line into my heart. I don't know how he does it, but his scores are so personal. And they just they they get me, man, every time. I love yeah. him to death. Um, yeah, I McGuire is such a in the I love that in this movie we've got a fucking photographer serial killer, basically, who's after Tom Hanks. Yeah. And, just yeah. you know, I love when he hands the money to the cop and he's just like two minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cop's like, whatever you want. Just what a creepy, you know. I shoot the dead. Like just yeah. creepy shit, man. I love and then he comes back at the end, like his face all fucked up from the glass, and he just oh. looks like a monster. Yeah. Evil. What a Evil creepy character. Well done, Jude Law. Yeah, yeah, he really is really is an X factor in this movie. If that doesn't work, if that performance doesn't work, then this movie could go off the rails and be like, mm. what was what was that all about? You know? Uh, but it works, works really well. Um, I, um, so yeah, Meet McGuire is my my favorite. I also do love the uh, you know, the the title track Road to Perdition. Yeah, we hear it a lot towards the end of the movie, just kind of like peaceful, you know, always always well music that just like wraps it up very well. I love that score. This, yeah, this this music is is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's it's like stunning. Um, yeah, definitely. If you have Spotify or, or Apple Music or whatever, you know, go <laughs> go just just go listen to this. You know, it's a it's a yeah. heavy score. There's a lot of score in the movie, so there's a lot, but it is so worth it just to give it a whirl. I found the CD at Goodwill, and I was like, I'm taking so it. awesome. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few. You know, like I have John Bryan's Magnolia score on CD. I have, yeah, there's a few that I have just because it's awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, 
I have, I have, I have. There will be blood. I have Johnny Greenwood's There will be blood on CD because it's like every now and again in the car, like driving on the highway at night, is like, yeah, let's listen to some movie scores, you know. And <laughs> that's like one of my favorite things to do when I'm driving alone. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, man! I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I know you do. Nobody else does. <laughs> uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, best performance of the movie. Dude, this was. I struggled with this so hard. This. Everyone in this movie is so incredible, uh, really tapping into their dark side. And I love that, especially Tom Hanks. Like he's usually, you know, playing such wholesome characters to see him play a mob hitman is so refreshing. Uh, but ultimately, I gave this to Paul Newman. Wow. OK, I, I can't argue with that. He's <laughs> he is the man. I, I went Hanks. This is my favorite Hanks role of all yeah. time. Um, playing against type, like you said. And doing it, there are a few times I'll say with Paul Newman, there's never, never once are you questioning John Rooney. You're like, that's, he is John Rooney. There are a couple of times where you're like, that's, that's fucking Forrest Gump. (laughs) I can't do this. I can't do this. Like it's Tom fucking Hanks. It's like, he's, he's one of the biggest stars to ever live. Like this is the guy who starred in rom-coms in the nineties. Like what's going on? There's something about that 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 can be distracting, but also so so impressive from from, from Tom. So Michael Sullivan's one of my favorite gangsters of all time uh, on screen. So I, I got to go him, but Paul Newman is definitely second place. You want to see Tom Hanks play a real piece of shit? Go see Elvis. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I, I plan on it uh, seeing that soon. Uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard the accent's good. I've heard his you know piece of. His piece of shittery is is good. <laughs> oh, just such a despicable human being. A yeah, but um, yeah, I get why you pick Hanks. I love Hanks in this. He's uh, his career is so so intriguing. Just starting out as like you know bosom buddies and fucking volunteers and the money pit, becoming like the '90s rom com guy, and then Forrest Gump, and then just becoming like the go to guy for serious drama. I yeah. love that he's just had this roller coaster of a career. It's like you know, there's something there for everybody. It's it's weird. It's great. Oh yeah, he's he's done everything you can, you know. Yeah. And and the one thing about him is he's like, I'm gonna be lead though, you know. I'm I'm Tom. I'm gonna lead the movie, whether I'm being really silly or I'm yeah, I'm in the green mile, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. I will I will lead this movie and carry it as best as I can. And it seems like the coolest guy to work for, uh, work with, you know. Um, yeah. And for for me, I've I will always. Uh, have that attachment to Woody as a character, yeah. you know, Tom, H- Tom Hanks. That's like my, that's like my heart is the, is, is that movie as a, as a child. So he, he just has a special place in a lot of our hearts. Um, I think that's what's so special about him is he's tapped into something that we all look for when we're watching movies. You know, there, there are people who appreciate Thomas Newman and understand what he's doing everybody understands what Tom Hanks is doing, you know, as a movie fan. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's, he's, it's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Hanks is one of those perfect hybrids of movie star and character actor that yeah. doesn't come around very often, but he's just, yeah, he's lights out. And I've heard like really humble and really nice, which is nice. Yeah. Just seems like a great dude, like good, good, good family man, good guy to work with. And a guy who understands that, you know, it feels like he's tapped into something like that he understands about life. And that's, that's really, really cool. So yeah, hats off to him. He's amazing in this. Uh, Paul Newman, Paul Newman's great. Stanley Tucci is great. 
Daniel Craig is great. Well, the reason I went with Newman, and I, I talked about it a little earlier, is the conflict of John Rooney and mm. how he, he is this, you know, he's a monster. He's a mob boss. He's ordering people to die. But also he loves Michael like a son and he did not want this to happen, but he can't do anything about Connor because he's blood. And there's just this conflict of like, what do I do here? I'm going to lose somebody no matter what I do. What the hell do I do? And you just feel that the whole movie until he gets gunned down. And even then he's like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) You had no choice. It's such a great performance. And just seeing Tom Hanks and Paul Newman go head to head is a fucking unreal, man. It's, It's a clinic. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't doesn't make sense that we look what a treat that we get to have that. <laughs> it feels like that. It's like look what I get to see. Yeah, yeah, it does, and, and it's crazy that people don't like recognize that today. It feels like people our age have no idea how how, how cool that is <laughs> to see to see two legends uh, going head to head. Um, yeah, yeah, Tom, Tom and Paul both great. Both should have been up. Paul was. Tom wasn't. Fucking fucking shame. Uh, <laughs> The Roger Deakins Award. You could go. There's a few ways you could go here. There are. There's about five, like endlessly rewatchable scenes in this movie. So what'd you go with? I, it's it's the death of John Rooney. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rain, the rain. Just, what an amazing sequence! Just you know, no sound of the of the bullets. Just watching people fall in the rain from the you know gun from the shadows. John just not even his back turned but just knowing exactly who it is and why this is happening, not even attempting to run, just accepting it. And then just, you know, Sullivan walking out of the rain gun, you know, Tommy gun, beautiful. Like I love the noise that Tommy gun makes. And me too. Yeah. Just Rooney accepting it, but also the tears in Sullivan's eyes, like he's killing his father essentially. And you just feel the pain and the weight and the guilt and the rage. And it's such an incredible scene. Oh, fuck. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's exactly what I chose. Um, you know, he's like cloaked in darkness, Michael, and not seeing him is such a great, such a great decision. The decision, like you said, with the bullets to not be making any noise until it comes to the final, final kill there. Um, and, and, and that bleeds into him killing Connor and yeah. that. Now that is a that's a that's a, that's a scene like for for like film school when he shoots him he shoots him and the door opens and it has a mirror on it and you see Daniel Craig in the tub just blood on the wall he's he's just gone you know and no, no words nothing I love all the the gangsters just moving out of the way for Sullivan like everyone who was supposed to protect him is just like not my fight yeah it's uh, over now yeah yeah. Jesus. And then Nitty just being like, you know, here's the hotel, here's the room. After this, it's done. Like, yeah, oh, man, yeah, <laughs> room fourteen twenty three. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> I have your word that this is it. Yeah, uh, it's such a such a brilliant brilliant scene. That whole that like ten minute stretch is some of the best shit I've ever 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 seen in a gangster flick. So had to choose it. My favorite component is the rain. Is mm. Like you can't you can't forget that. And watching him walk away with the gun is like, God, man, what like, this is so badass. Well, also, you know, if I, I this might be reading into it a bit much, but I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, Irish Catholicism is so strong in these people. You know, Catholicism is so strong in the Irish and the rain made it feel like almost like, you know, God is weeping 
for John Rooney. And okay. Just, yeah. There's some, there's some truth to that because I was reading an article. I, I, I can't quote, quote it completely because it was really long and I, I, I admittedly, I should have read the whole thing uh, <laughs> last night before I went to bed, but I didn't because I had to go to bed <laughs> and it was about how water, water is used in this movie um obviously with the rain and then at the end when he's looking at the ocean and it's it's always there's always symbolism within the rain and apparently those were all conrad l hall's ideas so the cinematographer was like playing into what you're talking about (laughs) and and that's like that's why he's like one of the one of the guys you know at the tippy top of his of his craft is he's not just filming he's like i have ideas and I can make this movie elevate to another level for people who want to rewatch it and like catch things over and over. That's, that's like really important to me and you as fans, you know, I think we both appreciate stuff like that. So now there's truth to that. Uh, the Catholicism stuff that you're talking about. So a good, good find. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. I thought I was just kind of, you know, maybe going Spit a little too deep here. <laughs> yeah. But apparently I'm, I'm on something with Conrad. We're on a level. We're on the same level. I love that. God damn. I'll, f- I'll find I'll find that article and try to send it to you. Um, no. I was like, yeah, I was like really tired and I was trying to read it and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I, I also should have read it today at some point. Uh, I was at work, but I should have found time for it because I think I think that kind of stuff matters when we're talking about these movies, um, especially from a cinematography standpoint. If we're going to focus on that. I think I think this movie is pretty symbolic and has a lot of gems throughout that uh if you care what's great about it is if you don't care doesn't matter still a great movie but if you do care it's just kind of rewards you for caring and yeah i know both of us do so yeah good <laughs> shout um yeah i think i think we're both on the same page with a lot of this movie just how we feel about it and what's most impressive from it and having the same deacons makes sense uh for me it was either this scene or it was the scene in the hotel between the accountant mcguire and and hanks when it's just kind of it's just kind of pandemonium you're like god what's happening you know i love stuff like that especially in broad daylight i really i almost had the scene where um sullivan is sent to kill the bookie or like rough up the bookie who is like late and there's just like you know he reads the letter he looks up sullivan looks at him they both look at the gun and there's no lines exchanged but we all know what's about to happen yeah. It's it's so great. And then I love the 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 big guy who's like, "Could you put in a good word for me?" He's like, "Sure." Just yeah. So good. And then I love the letter, you know, "Kill Sullivan and all debts are cleared." It's like, "Oh my god." And then just it's, everything that snowballs from there is just oh shit. It's fucking on. Yeah. 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 I also love god. that first uh bank robbery scene where he takes Capone's money and he's like, "No, no, no. That's for you." He's like, "You trust me not to say anything? Always trust a bank manager." I love that. Just, <laughs> right in the jacket. <laughs> so good. I love that like montage of them stealing stealing money. It's really cool. Um, what a movie. <laughs> what a movie. Oh, this shit is great. <laughs> it's so great that it was up for up for six awards, which is a pretty good, pretty good amount, I'll say. You know, I am grateful for that. This is why I think the Oscars can matter, you know. Um, sometimes recognition for a good movie is cool you know is it's cool to it's cool to recognize good art and i think here we have we have some we have some stuff to talk about so 
we'll go through these six categories. Uh, we'll start with um, let's start with best best sound. I think is probably probably the one to go with. Okay. Uh, it was you know I, I don't want to start the one that's listed at the bottom is score, but I don't, don't want to do that first. I want to I want to kind of <laughs> lead up to that lead up to that Thomas Newman uh, conversation. So we'll do best sound. Let's see here. It's a cool ceremony. As I'm scrolling through, I'm like, man, there's some some fun shit here. Like in in screenplay, there's like talk to her and Itumama Tambien. Like, the wow, fuck, that's a that's awesome. Corona really, Almodovar, that's that's fucking yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know didn't know that was the case. Um, yeah, like I I like all five of these movies in Best Sound. Uh, the winner was Chicago, uh, Gangs of New York, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Road to Perdition, and Spider Man. Like the fuck, that's a fucking sick group. You got you got. You got Spider-Man and it, like just this awesome Sam Raimi film that kicks off a lot of great superhero shit and Road to Perdition, obviously great. Two Towers, which might be the like, best overall Lord of the Rings movie. Gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese epic. Uh, and Chicago, which is obviously the best picture winner and uh, a movie that, that is pretty good. I, it's not my favorite, but I think for best sound, I would have to go Two Towers here, though. I When in doubt, bet on the musical. When it comes to best sound, there's going to be music. Yeah, there. Yeah. Are, it's going to take it, but for sure, I give this one to Spider Man. Nothing wrong with that, man. Godspeed. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the sound design of the webs and the goblin, and you know the echoing of Defoe's laughter. Like, there's some incredible sound design in Spider Man, and I yeah. wish that had been recognized. Ah, God, yeah, we love we love that movie. We we've we've talked about all of these movies except for Chicago, like at some point we did a gangs of New York filmgasm episode at one point. Of course, Lord of the Rings was our, our 50th episode here on Oscar Sunday. We did road to perdition for doing it right now today. And Spider-Man uh, we did on filmgasm like in December. Yeah. So, we, we did that one in Los Angeles. Yeah, that was, and that was loads of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good group. Good, good group of movies. Good way to start. Best sound editing. There's only three here. Uh, Two Towers won. It beat Road to Perdition and Minority Report. I also like Minority Report. <laughs> I mean, come on. I have not seen Minority Report. That's one of the few Spielbergs I have not seen. I, I got to get on that. Yeah, that, that's a cool movie. That's a unique Spielberg movie for sure. A forgotten gem. But uh, sound editing, I'll totally go Lord of the Rings on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that one. I'm still a little... You know, not too clear on the difference between sound editing and sound mixing and whatever's going on there. But uh, good. Yeah. I'll take, two Towers deserved it. Sure. Yeah. You can't really argue with that. You know, <laughs> uh, best art direction. Another win for Chicago. Uh, beat It beat Frida, Gangs of New York, Two Towers and Road to Perdition. Oh, man. Set design for that yeah. is a great group. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is incredible. I I think I might actually go Gangs of New York here. Tough. Yeah, this is tough, though. I'm thinking of like I'm thinking of Helms Deep. I'm thinking yeah, of Edoras. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> two t- yeah, Two Towers. <laughs> then Chicago is like Chicago and Road to Perdition were basically doing the same thing, but Chicago just had a lot more pageantry in terms. But it's both you know Depression era Chicago. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, shit. This is this is a tough one. I haven't seen Frida, so I can't I can't vote on that one. But 
Gangs of New York, recreating the five points, just the gritty, nasty, like deplorable cesspool of New York City in the 1830s or 1850s, 60s. Yeah, because it was like right around the Civil War. So yeah, correct. Yeah, I yeah, I'm gonna give it to Gangs of New York. Just just the way when they're when you know when everybody's kind of walking like in the courtyards it's like this is incredible it's like a carnival of all of all these amazing costumes and props and fucking a that movie it's not my favorite scorsese by any stretch of the imagination but i respect the hell out of it and it's got it's got daniel day just doing his thing it's fucking up there for me it's 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 probably i think it's got to be top five gangs in New York. I think we did a top five. Scorsese. I think you had, I think you had it like four or five. Yeah. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah. I want to make sure the continuity is all solid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. with Scorsese, it's okay if it changes, you know, it's Martin Scorsese. <laughs> it's, it's, that's fine. That one's pretty set in stone though. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I remember when we did that. Um, why did we do that movie? That was a bonus for, uh something oh, fuck. What, what, did we do something from 2002 and we were like let's just go to two i i don't know i don't was it leo was it daniel day lewis was it scorsese like what where did that come from here i'm gonna you you continue i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> okay uh that's great i i really can't remember for the life of me why we did that um next one would be best original score uh frida won uh, Catch Me If You Can, very underrated score from John Williams. Far From Heaven, Elmer Bernstein, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Hours, Philip Glass, and Road to Perdition, Thomas Newman. Um, I've seen all of these except for Far From Heaven. I know Far From Heaven is like right up my alley. I need to see that movie. But, uh, Shutter my, my, Island, that's why. Oh, that makes sense. Scorsese and Leo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's <laughs> that's an awesome double feature. Uh my, my vote is is road to perdition i'm saying i'm, I'm with you i i haven't seen far from heaven but yeah it, it, it's it's hard to imagine any competition for maybe thomas newman's best work so yeah um i've only of this bunch i've only seen road to perdition and catch me if you can so i can't judge the other ones but like i said this the score for road to perdition is like it belongs in a fucking museum it is beautiful yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, he deserved that win. He's never won. I can't believe that. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they better not let that happen. Like, never win. Uh, I don't care if it's a fucking career award at this point. It's like, it's Thomas Newman. It's, I understand if it's a career award. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Elliot Goldenthal did the Batman and Robin music. So right there, I'm like, you don't deserve an Oscar. I don't care what else you do. You don't deserve one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, totally okay with that. Um, yeah, that's that's a, that's always a fun group to look at. A score uh, we both love love that shit. Uh, this is good though. This is a group. I would love to see these five guys in a movie, maybe a like gambling movie of some sort from 2002. Uh, best supporting actor: Chris Cooper won for adaptation. Uh, Ed Harris for The Hours. Paul Newman for Road to Perdition. John C. Fucking Riley for Chicago. And Christopher Walken for Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Cooper. Oh, man. That supporting actor. That's where the, I, it's my favorite category. It's where the character actors get to shine. Yeah, oh. the weirdos. The, these, the weirdos get to, get to hang out. Uh, uh, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'd probably vote Paul Newman, but man, Chris Cooper is 
damn good an adaptation. Um, this is this one's tough. This one's really tough. I've always been a big Ed Harris guy, and of course John C. Riley is like a hero. And Christopher Walken is 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 Walken. He's got one of the most fascinating careers ever. So this is a heads up. This is kind of like I, I really wouldn't mind any of them winning. I I haven't seen the hours, so I can't go. I can't go Ed Harris here. Um, I do think Walken is kind of underwhelming and catch me if you can i don't think that's fair compared I, to his other work yeah compared to his other work i think that should have. if we're gonna go catch me if you can i think that should have been hanks yeah i i have no problem with that yeah as far as the win goes i do love chris cooper in adaptation but i am gonna go paul newman as well yeah i think at the end of the day paul newman is putting in the most memorable performance of all those uh one that will last forever so yeah yeah, that's, that's a cool group, though, man. I would love those five guys in the same movie would be awesome. <laughs> I do love that John C. Riley has a nomination. That's just great. And he is great in Chicago. Oh, uh, man. I'm thinking of, like, who – is there anybody you think should be here? 2002. Um, I mean, I, I might be crazy, but Philip Seymour Hoffman in Punch Drunk Love is one of my favorite things ever. You're not um, great. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if Two Towers has somebody that kind of stands out from a supporting... Andy Circus, my friend. Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah, Gollum. Yeah, that's like Andy Circus in specifically the Two Towers might be the best performance of all three movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good God. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, trying to think 2002. Uh, what other movies do I like from that year? Um. You can't, you can't, you can't really go. You know, Daniel Day is obviously up for <clears throat> best actor, and you can't really go Leo. They're both kind of best lead actor worthy in that movie. Um, from from Gangs, yeah, that's tough. From Gangs in New York, I would nominate Brendan Gleeson. Gleeson, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. totally fair. Um, crazy. I really like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. That's an underrated oh, 2002 movie. Nice. Um, but I don't know if I, I'd say, I don't know. I've always thought that movie just as a whole is, is just really impressive. Um, it, uh, I always, I found it, I always find it funny that uh, almost the entire cast of Chicago is up except for Richard Gere. Yeah. <laughs> I, awesome. that funny. yeah. Like, I don't have any, I don't think I have a beef with Richard Gere, at least not today, but um, I just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, anybody from Road to Perdition you think should have, like, Jude Law, maybe? Yeah, if anybody, Jude Law. Um, he's got he's got some cool stuff to chew on with this movie. And uh, as much as I love Stanley Tucci and and Daniel Craig, I, th- I think I think Jude Law would be the best shout out. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I'm sure when we when we get done with this, I'm gonna look at my letterbox and be like, "Oh yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy." You know, that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my first my initial instinct because my favorite movie from that year is Punch Drunk Love and PSH. I mean, there's a couple of scenes where you're like, nobody else can do this, <laughs> and that sometimes is a good sign. Uh, here, here we go for the win. Road to Perdition, cinematography, uh, Conrad L. Hall. I, I'm I'm I feel lucky to be talking about him as much as we have on this episode. Uh, he beat Dion Beebe for Chicago, uh, Edward Lockman for Far From Heaven, 
Michael Balhas for of New York, good looking movie, and Pavel Edelman for The Pianist. Uh, Pianist is not really a conversation I want to have. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this ceremony is famous for reasons I don't really care to get into. But the movie looks pretty cool, but I don't think there's any any chance any of these movies are taking it away from from Conrad for Road to Perdition. It's just like light years ahead uh, with how well it's how well it's aged and how good it looks. Yeah, I second that. It looks amazing. Um, I love that he was not just, you know, filming the movie, but also kind of helping shape the movie. I love that. You don't see that a lot. And um, yeah, I think his work speaks for itself. I. It's an amazing accomplishment and uh, a hell of a swan song for a lifelong filmmaker. Yeah, for real. Like what a what a way to go out on just like maybe with their best stuff. So good, good shit. Uh, the last two categories I want to talk about just for fun, because um, I think Rotor Perdition should be in both. OK, best actor. Uh, Adrian Brody won. He's, I believe, to this day, the youngest guy to win that award. Uh, for best actor, maybe. Yeah, he's got to be because he was like 20 something, like 25, 26. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage for adaptation. No way he's getting cut out. Uh, Michael Caine for The Quiet American. I have not seen that movie, regrettably. Uh, Daniel D. Lewis for Gangs of New York. No way in hell he's being taken out. Uh, and Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt. This, I, I like About Schmidt, but come on. <laughs> Jack Nicholson has a lot better stuff. He's got like, 12 nominations altogether so this is just one of those other ones uh but but i would take out probably nichols probably nicholson for for um tom hanks because i haven't seen the quiet american so i can't say i'm not taking ddl out i'm not taking cage out and i'm probably not going to take brody out he he did some amazing stuff physically for that movie um so yeah but but hanks needs to be there yeah he does he does need to be there I'm going to, you know what? I'm comfortable taking Michael Caine out because I've seen both of his wins now and I was not impressed either time. So <laughs> I'm, I, th- I think they're, they're picking some weird stuff for him. So I'm going to go ahead and sit him out. He, he's going to sit on the sidelines while the rest of us play recess. Uh, yeah. The, the quiet American just, I'm just so curious about that one. So curious. Cause it's Michael Caine and Brendan Fraser. I'm like, I, I need to see this movie. Like what? What's going on in that one? Um, but I, I'm with you, you know. I, and Hannah and her sisters, he's he's fine. He's not bad or anything, but but it's not like oh my god, this guy should win. And and the fucking uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, what's the other stupid one? Uh, Cider House Rules. Yeah, Cider House Rules from '99. Uh, just no, no way, no thanks. That one has n- one of the worst wins I've like ever seen from a performance standpoint. <laughs> I, and I love Michael Caine, so I'm not. It's no. No shade to him. Uh, he's got oh. better stuff. Sure. But, uh, so if, if Hanks is there, does Brody still win? Or is this DDLs? I really... Oh, shit, dude, I... You're right that Adrian Brody really went to a unique physical place or the pianist. But, but. does that deserve <laughs> praise? Like, is that just being fucking crazy? I mean, he, he like, he broke off, like, a long-time relationship for that. Like, at what point is it just psychosis? But then again, you know, we got Daniel Day-Lewis over here. So <laughs> <laughs> the king of losing his fucking mind in a performance. Uh, yeah, I, 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 for me, it's DDL. And honestly, second place is Nicolas Cage because he's playing two fuckers at once. Uh, 
two distinct fuckers very yeah annoying. yeah one one like very annoying fucker <laughs> and one guy who's completely lost um yeah but ddl like i'm a i'm a huge fan of the history of this stuff and i love thinking about legacy and like what it means to just rack up oscars because i do think it means something at least in my mind and yeah especially especially if they're worthwhile performances and it would be so cool if he had four because he'd be the only male with four and they would be for my left foot gangs of new york there will be blood in lincoln like i really wish he had a fourth just to be like i am the best there's no debating it because there's you know jack nicholson has three as well um and you know Denzel Washington has has two on like ten nominations, uh, while Daniel Day Lewis has three on six. So if he had four on six, he'd be like Michael Jordan. He'd be like, "When I go, I win. When I show up, I win." And I would love that. I would love that for him. And I do think it's for me. It's my second favorite performance of his whole career. So um, it's it's there will be blood and then it's gangs. Without DDL, that movie does not work for me. Like gangs. I like it a lot, but he, he is why like Bill yeah. the butcher is Bill the butcher is why I think about that movie. You know uh, why I quote it. I'm not quoting Cameron Diaz or Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm quoting Daniel day Lewis. That movie is quite aimless without him. He really does elevate that thing to a nine for me. Like without him, mm. it's a good movie, but he, he makes that thing watch like rewatchable. Cause it's almost three hours long. Like you need yeah. somebody yeah. to, like to keep your interest and leo is doing a decent like irish accent but cameron diaz does not belong there and every other actor is like barely in it like he's he's our villain he's our through line and he's amazing and he and i've been i've been on you know for this category particularly at this oscars i have been daniel day lewis like almost my whole life and then i saw adaptation <laughs> and I'm going to give this to Nicolas Cage. Uh, you're going to get no argument here. Uh, <laughs> I that you could make an argument that yeah, he should have two wins for leaving Las Vegas and adaptation. Um, Cage is is scary good in adaptation. That movie is the definition of underrated. I love that movie. Should have been up for best picture. Um, it's one of the most like unique films from from this year. It's such a hard film to pitch to anybody who's never seen it. Yeah. And I just, I don't even say anything. I'm like, yeah, you'll find it. It'll come yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, I feel like people these days, particularly our generation, they don't know that cage. They don't know mm. award mm. cage. They don't know Oscar cage. They know crazy fucking Ghost Rider cage, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, not but, that he ever went anywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, he's still he's still here mixing them, mixing it up. But Charlie and Donald Kaufman is such a great performance. It's you know playing both of these very distinct characters, both with their own weird neurotic issues, and just selling it, uh, selling you know despair and hope and excitement and just weird unrequited love. It's such a crazy role, and I was blown away by his ability to do that. I didn't know he could do that, and. We're only now just getting more of that cage, and I'm so happy that we're getting a resurgence. Uh, but it'd be great if he had two Oscars to brag about. You know, he could just like scream on a mountaintop, holding one in each hand. <laughs> I'm Nikki Cage, two-time Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a battle between Cage and, and Daniel Day, which I thought I'd never say. <laughs> God, what uh, a 
What a bat! What a film that would be. Those two guys <laughs> going head to head, like a buddy cop movie or something. Oh, geez, please. Yeah, I really wish Daniel back. Day Lewis slummed it a little bit. I want to see him in some like <laughs> shitty comedies or something because I know he would still give like, you know, give it his all every time. Yeah, I just yeah. want to see that. Like, I want to see him as like Doctor Doom or some shit. Like, I really want him to just have this moment of like, fuck it, I'll do anything. Oh, Christ almighty. That would be the day. <laughs> that would be the day. Oh, man. He's 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 just great. Uh, both, yeah, for different reasons. I love them both. Um, so, if we're taking if we're taking Road to Perdition to Best Picture, what are we taking out? Oh, boy. I think, you know what? I know it's, you know, for the wrong reasons, but we got to get rid of the pianist. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Um, the pianist can see you later uh, and the hours see you later adaptation and road to perdition and <laughs> would make this group very, very strong. Yeah, I agree with you there. I got to see the hours. I'm sure. I, I, I like the hours because it's got three women that I adore, you know, um, that, I you know, that are to me some of the best to ever do it. But it's not it's not a movie I'm like thinking about all the time like I am for a tradition or, or adaptation or these movies that have lasted have aged really well over time and, and still are relevant to pop culture, like like the two towers or gangs of New York or Chicago. So I think this group could be amazing. And it's good. It's a good group. But they could have done something really special. So um yeah. yeah. Road to Perdition, man. It 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 deserved about probably eight or nine nominations, not just six. <laughs> yeah, this should be one of the most celebrated gangster films of all time. I don't know why it isn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, we, we got to right here. So that was fun. <laughs> that was fun to, to give it the praise it deserves. Um, and this train keeps rolling because next week we're doing, we're doing some, some amazing stuff. Um, 59th Academy Awards, 1986, Best Picture Showdown, Platoon. I can't wait to do this movie because you haven't seen it. And I know you're going to love it. <laughs> and you've been waiting for this moment to do it on the show. You know, you've known for a couple of years that it's going to be coming and it's finally here. Um, just, yeah, just, it felt right. It's time to stop beating around the bush. Let's do this. We both watched a couple movies from, from the ceremony. Uh, we both watched Hannah and her sisters already. Uh, I watched a room with a view. You watched children of a lesser God. So we're both kind of, doing our homework and by next week we'll have watched them all and we're going to rank them. So it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I love doing these so much. Uh, I love doing road to perdition just as much though. You know, these kind of niche movies that we both adore that we're both obsessed with. And we can talk about for literally two hours. Um, I, I, I love doing both, but the showdowns are like what it's all about. You know, they kind of, they, they allow us to do, to do homework without it being work, you know? Um, and it's so rewarding to once a month, basically come, come to this gathering of me and Connor, just kind of talking about a group of films, ranking them and what they mean to, to pop culture today. And that's, that's going to be really cool because 1986 is a year we're both familiar with, but not with the best picture group. We're both kind of watching some of these movies for the first time. And that's always kind of, kind of cool to knock movies off, not knocking off the list. So I can't wait to be back here next week, but holy shit on filmgasm this week, episode 196, we're getting very close to 200. 
which is just so crazy. We're doing some absolute heaters <laughs> leading up to leading up to 200. So on Wednesday, we will be covering the Terminator. Jesus Christ, <laughs> big, big time movie. It allows it, it opens the gates to do Terminator 2, hopefully on this show uh, to do T2. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. But, you know, somehow we haven't talked about those movies on a show yet. And so it's, it's time. And then on uh, Friday, Beyond the Bad, uh, be covering Masters of the Universe. <laughs> God damn it. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Uh, so we've got a crazy week. Terminator, Masters of the Universe, and Platoon. Like, come on. What more can you want? <laughs> 80s week. Like, yeah, yeah. 80s, without 80s even trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without even, without even trying to connect them. You know, this is just what we do. It, it, this, these shows somehow have, like, formed this life together and it's been it's been so much fun to be a part of and we're not going to stop you know we're going to keep this train rolling through the summer we're doing a lot of cool stuff in the summer and trying to have as much fun as we possibly can so thank you guys for listening uh road to perdition again it's on netflix prime and paramount plus so go check it out go rewatch it and have some fun you know remember remember these guys you know remember conrad l hall remember sam mendez uh, Thomas Newman, Tom Hanks, Paul Newman. These guys are these guys are the shit, and I, I know we both both think so. So uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all these different things at Filmgasm. Always, we, we don't really play around. We're always always Filmgasm. You know that's a, that's our name. <laughs> and uh, check out our website for reviews that are coming out pretty much every day because Connor's watching a lot of movies right now. Uh, he's he's officially you know in in summer mode. It feels like so. Uh, just keep checking out our stuff. Connor, you got anything else? No, I, I, I want people to go see, I want people to watch this movie. So yeah, keep, keep plugging that Netflix prime Paramount plus watch road to perdition. It is worth yes. it. Yeah, it is worth it. Keep, keep this movie alive and well, for sure. It is like Connor said, one of the best, most, uh, best overall gangster films of all time. So yeah, check that shit out and we'll see you guys on Wednesday for fucking Terminator.